0: Offer valid on select AK Systems. That's through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
3: The Dave Damaschek Football Program, available on
1: Apple Podcasts and at NFL.com slash DDFP. Now here's your host, Dave Damashek.
2: Hi and hello and welcome to the Dave Damaschek Football Program. I hope all's well, safe and otherwise wherever you are here in my cave. Welcome to uh, not Studio 66, joined, as usual, by the Cowardly Quartet, the rest of us starting off with The Voice. You just heard it there, and you're about to hear it again. Of your Los Angeles Chargers, also one half of the great radio show, Petros and Money, track it down on iHeartRadio. It's Matt Money-Smith. What's the poop, fella?
1: Uh, Colonel Coward uh, reporting for Not Duty. Uh, I think that is an accurate description of the four of us. Uh, excited. Excited to do some, some cricket battle with Hank, and I'm uh, most excited, Dave. About you taking some incoming on the Lamar Jackson Big Ben uh, <laughs> <laughs> the conversation we had at the end of the last pod. That, I, I truly enjoyed that. I have to be honest. So <laughs> Just, be it. Why we I, can... why I put it out there right at the start.
2: Oh, I have vexed two <laughs> AFC fan bases in the last seven days. First of yes. all, with the Lamar Jackson one, we'll get into that. And then also, um, Ryan Tannehill I have a good replacement or a good uh, idea to elevate their Super Bowl chances turns out a lot of Titans fans very upset I in fact chopped it up a little bit with another quartet I filled in for one Chris Wessling on around the NFL go back and listen to that podcast earlier in this weekend uh, while we're talking about around the NFL muzzle to Wes and to yes. Lakeisha on, uh, on baby Lincoln. Beautiful stuff. Happy to see it, especially with everything Wes has been through in the last handful of years. I'm sure you're familiar with that. And uh, so very happy for them. But to the matter at hand, pro football and QBs and all that stuff, who better to talk about all that stuff with than the guy who's going to be rooting for Tua this, uh, this autumn, all the way from London, England. He is our resident Miami Dolphins fan. It's handsome, Hank. How
4: are you? I'm good. And I'm hoping not to just be rooting for Tua this autumn. I'd like to take it through the next decade or so, if that's possible with you. Cause I've, I've had a few dolphins quarterbacks that I've rooted up for just for one year uh, and then had to pull the plug. i um, hoping that that won't be the case with, this, with Ooh, that's, this
1: particular one. That's a good question. Actually, who is Hank's favorite to not included post Dan Marino quarterback?
2: Wait, I, I want to guess. Hmm. I wanna, let's make some guesses. So Scott Mitchell happened during Marino, right? Yeah. Scott Mitchell's it, not it. Yeah. That, Scott he, Mitchell, he was that season where Marino his two games torn in yeah. 94. I think. Right. It
1: was. Right. I think there's a favorite here. I, I think,
2: I think there's gotta be one clear cut, right? Right.
4: Well, I'll tell you one, I'll tell you one that isn't the favorite, but just while you guys are thinking about it, a guy that, gets left out he's one of the whatever it is 20 or so quarterbacks that have have started um between Marino who only lasted one season but was way better than advertised and then disappeared off the face of the planet was Gus Frerot
1: I would Showed see, up that, in
4: might, Miami. that was
3: going to
1: be my guess I was thinking
4: he that for I think he went 9 and I think he went 9 and 7 during his yes. his one season in Miami it's completely forgotten year I wouldn't couldn't tell you what year it was or or why it happened or or why he was never brought back um but uh but he suddenly vanished um having been okay so he he's close
1: to the top right. of the list but he's so, not so the gus answer. is not there how about this dave how about pennington
2: well i was gonna say it's got it's got to be pennington i guess you could make a case for fiedler but now i'm thinking Ooh, about Fiedler's it Fiedler's fiedler Feedler in unreflection
4: yes probably is the Feedler's a good this, one but at the time You were like, well, he's the next guy after Marino. This is terrible. He's he's a thoroughly average quarterback. So he never actually captured my heart.
2: Yeah, though, well, I, I pointed that out. Uh, I was uh, I was talking about some Danny White, the successor to Roger Staubach, and how a couple of little turns in his career, he would have been a Hall of Famer. And instead, he's this weird footnote in pro football history. And it reminded me of uh, Mr. Furley, of course, the, who is the ultimate in how difficult it is to replace a legend. Mr. Furley, Matt Money Smith is of a certain age that he remembers Three's Company, I trust. Right, Money? Roper.
1: Yeah, although I, I guess for me, it was tough because my old man's favorite show was Andy Griffith. So I just kind of had this, I don't know, sort of television relationship with Don Knotts that that I probably should have hated Mr. Furley a lot more than I did, because, you know, it's Don Knotts. He's there on the TV. and I'm I'm excited about that. But yes, Roper far superior. I'm not Uh, here to
2: I'm not I'm not here to impugn mr furley on any no it's, or just, it's, or it's, it's Don Knott's. i'm just saying how difficult it is yes. to replace it to replace Fiedler, stanley right stanley
1: roper yeah
2: i mean listen yeah uh, that that's as we've discussed the yeah, greatest exactly. the greatest device or one of the greatest devices that's so great in fact that in a world of copycats in comedy writing and everything else apparently it is just it, it, it's too golden to steal is mr roper in the middle of an episode of three's company would zing the misses he would zinger and then he would break the fourth wall and just look at the camera and smile and yeah. then go right back to the scene and i can't believe no one has ever swiped that since then and and use that uh, themselves but
1: yes anyway see here we go off uh off down chad the pennington floor. i say chad pennington anything else anything else you want to put more. in there
2: i want to throw Fair. one more in there ryan fitzpatrick Right. He, he gave you a little Ooh. dignity. He, he gave he, us a little he, dignity. You, you're
4: both, you, you're overlooking a very obvious answer, but I'll give are. you one. If, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'll give you one. If I was being, if I was being, um, just malicious is Ronnie Brown was probably the be- most effective oh, I, quarterback. See, the that's, funny. Have had,
1: that's funny. Um, a little wildcat when,
4: action. When playing wildcat, but no, Ryan Tannehill is the answer. Tannehill. For all his, yeah. For all of the, um, Ultimately, disappointment. I I still hold a candle for Ryan Tannehill. He was that one season where he got injured, and when the Dolphins went to the playoffs unexpectedly with Adam Gase, the the great villain, um, as their head coach in his rookie season with the Dolphins. Um, I think Tannehill. You know, people forget how well Tannehill played. Probably for an eight week span, then he reached what everyone hoped when they drafted him as a as a first round quarterback. He might be. And and so last year when I saw him doing it with Tennessee, I definitely wasn't someone who was rooting against him. I think he's a, a good human being and and someone that you can root for. He was he's definitely the guy that I've had the most fun rooting for with the Dolphins, I will say handsome not and by living the way, up and to his
2: let's potential. uh let's complete uh, the fourth corner in our quartet here, um, wearing a New York Knickerbockers.
3: No, I think mean, that's through. the Suns. Is that that's Phoenix I, Suns. That's what Dave said that. too, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, said, because it's got the silver. That's, that's what the I same there. same exact thing what he said. It's not though. It it it's the bad new Knicks jersey, the RJ Barrett. It's oh, uh, that's terrible. That is terrible. I don't know. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Spaghetti. Uh, but, you know, but you know what? I still bought it because RJ Barrett is he's the guy
1: I gotta get behind. Even though I hate the way the jersey looks, I don't like what they did. I'm still gonna <laughs> buy it because I gotta get my Barrett.
3: And I bought it from my go-to Chinese wholesale site, oh. so I didn't spend that much. You kids and your bootlegs, man!
1: Funny, like yeah, is the the
2: yeah, this degraded version of a Phoenix Suns jersey is kind of emblematic of Amari Stoudemire, the son to the Knickerbocker, right? I mean, I I think there's uh, there's um, some sort of message in there, but
3: Amari was great for that. He had a stretch where he was like an MVP candidate. Not Knicks for hurt. you, though. Not for the Knickerbocker. Yeah, there, was, oh, there was, was one year. It was one year. Yeah, really? one year he had a about a year and a half. Amari
1: yeah. had uh, – but it was still fool's gold. It was still fool's gold, and Eddie would admit as much. Yeah.
2: Hey, um, I. you know what I really don't know, Spaghetti, is um, I, I'm happy to hear um, that it sounds like the puck is going to be dropped and a Stanley Cup is going to be handed out. Yeah. in a matter of months here i i honestly don't know so i'm not tweaking you if they're not but did the blue shirts make the cut
3: they did and they're oh, really they're, and they're part of a interesting um, little issue that went on one of the only i think only two teams voted against this 2014 uh, format and the one of the teams was the carolina hurricanes because the carolina hurricanes are playing the rangers in the first round the reason why they voted no is because the rangers were, are four and over them this past season so it's Looking really good for the Rangers right now.
2: If I'm not mistaken, I think I, I've kind of tuned out on all the negotiations between the labor union and the ownership and in all leagues. So hope, just let me know when we're coming back. Is uh, is what I want to hear. But um, I think the Penguins are the other one because they didn't want to play carry Price of uh, the Blue Blanque Rouge between. My the yeah. I think that uh, that they also. So anyway, that's great news.
1: But Hank, what do you got on that? that, Hank? What do you got on this?
4: I'm excited. I, it reminds me. I've always wanted to know, and this is just before my NFL fandom. I believe in 1982, the NFL, um, you know, trying to trying to bring the parallel here because of the strike, entered all the teams into kind of a a knockout format. Wasn't the the, the season was shortened, and it meant that sort of it was a, a free for all. Is that what's happening here with the NHL?
2: What what's sure. the deal? I, Kind of, I think. I think that I think you said it all. I think. All I know oh, is uh, okay. here
1: in Southern California, the uh, the Ducks and the Kings somehow managed to be uh, like thirty three percent of the teams not included in the free for all. Yeah. Uh, Why that is that? That Why is, would
4: they not be included?
1: They're terrible. Just, it okay. doesn't matter. They're, if they're two of the the worst seven teams in the uh, in the NHL. And oh, they, uh, I see. They, so the
4: seven worst party. teams got kicked out. Yes. Not that I, not that I uh, want to spend too long on this, but then what about their players? So they don't get paid for the season because their teams are bad, or the um. No, I think they still got. I think
1: they. I think they got everything right. I think. Do you think think they have to send their checks
2: back in or something?
4: Yeah. No, they already got
1: because the season's just about wrapped up.
2: Oh, I see. Okay. Somehow and somehow as a uh, as a side note, I took Jean-Claude Van Damme check out and somehow watched the uh, the mighty Pittsburgh Penguins lose to the aforementioned L.A. Kings. I don't know how that happened. But anyhow, seven
1: game win streak man! right before they pulled the plug. They they had won seven in a row.
2: Interesting fact
4: about the NHL. I don't know if you guys know. There are only three quarters in an NHL game.
1: (laughs) It's funny because
2: they just don't finish it. They're just every time they're like, "Eh, let's leave it there. I'm trying to remember now, handsome Hank. You That's go why Miami Dolphins. <laughs> As opposed to quarters. Handsome Hank. You go obviously Miami Dolphins in pro football. Right. Um, you go Milwaukee Brewers. Yep. Brew because crew. Because of your affection for beer. Brew crew number one. In baseball. In hockey, I don't I I I can't recall if you ever embraced a team.
4: I, I haven't embraced a team. I haven't honestly embraced the sport. As I said, it was only last year that I discovered that they only played three of the quarters of the game. Mm. Um, so I, I don't have a, a hockey team. But I'm open to to you know anyone's. I, I, I once um yeah I, I, I don't know, I've watched games, but it's never yeah, really here's taken an my idea, idea Hank,
1: I'm one that that Dave and Eddie do not support. You live in Los Angeles. Yeah, there's yeah, a exactly. team that has won two Stanley Cups in the past decade. Uh, the arena is maybe 15 minutes from your house. Uh, and it is a wonderful venue to watch hockey. In. How Wait, about no rooting for the so Kings? Angry.
4: There's no need to be so angry. I but know. I it's ugly, I'm open to it. I'm oh, not no, it's, a, that. it's a
1: shot. It's a shot at this guy who takes his son because of his passion for hockey I know, to a, I uh, a hockey game twice a year. Once in Anaheim once in L.A. when a team from 2,500 miles away comes to town. <laughs>
4: that's, I
1: get it. That's what this it. guy does. And that's Instead why I would say that,
4: although Dave just accused me, or not accused me, mentioned that I, I, I supported the Brewers, and that was true. There was a day where I, when I first arrived in the U.S., I was trying to pick a baseball team, and the Brewers were playing the Padres, and I said, this is for all the marbles. This is this is for, oh. for my fandom. Um, and, and the Brewers won. But actually, I've been – In fact, with Dave and with some of other friends to to a bunch of Dodgers games. And I would say I'm definitely a Dodgers fan. I've never, Prince, when when Prince Fielder left the the, um, Brewers, he was really my guy. (laughs) Um, And um, just because of his heft. Uh, and uh, and after that point, I kind of lost lost Support touch. Support the
2: monarchy—a reference to a prince, eh? I'm all in. A prince, <laughs> a, a large um,
4: prince, a large prince was what I was looking for.
2: Well, let's talk about this. I do want to talk about some Brady Peyton, and their golf buddies. I know, or I assumed that Matt Money Smith was transfixed by oh, that. I loved it.
1: I loved it.
2: You must have, especially because Tiger Woods um, has your legs. Did you ever notice that? <laughs> I had no idea. You know, they'd always um, been covered up by pants.
1: I will say, uh, as, and this is, this is a total, I'm going to do it. I'll drop it. It's, it's the biggest interview we ever scored. We, uh, somehow because of tigers, uh, the president of his charity, uh, was a fan of our radio show when tiger came back to play Riviera for the first time in like 15 years and became the charity host of the tournament. Uh, he he interviewed with three people and we were one of the people that got to interview him. And, uh, it is, it, it is very surprising, uh, uh, when you see Tiger up close his size, that he's kind of a, a thicker guy than you would have thought. And uh he's probably and this was it's what's funny it was watching Brady and Peyton Manning, and I think people forget how tall these guys are. And Tiger looks so short. Tiger's like 6'1. Phil Mickelson's six three, and and <laughs> Tiger just looks tiny next to Peyton Manning walking around, but he's a pretty big guy, big kind of muscle. It's a great point. You make. Guy.
2: It's a great point you make. Tom Brady, you get so um, uh, so used to seeing the him in his underwear at the combine twenty years ago, and oh, he's not an athlete, and all that kind of talk. I mean, he's a tall drink of water. He's six yeah. foot four. I mean, yeah, he's a handsome devil. He's a he's a striking figure in person. And that brings us to the two QB questions that I wanted to talk about. We'll go back to the golf tournament and some other incarnations that perhaps the future holds. But I do want to talk about these things, starting off with the guy Hansom mentioned. First of all, I said a few days ago, kind of picking up on what I said to you, Money, about, uh, about the Chargers. Tyrod Taylor is fine. I think he will in, in a world where we have achieved QB saturation, Tyrod Taylor is absolutely in the bottom third. He's uh, of starting quarterbacks going into the season. Um, But the, Roster is loaded, ergo, if the Chargers really want to challenge for a Super Bowl trip this year, especially in the division with Mahomes and the rising Raiders and the rising Broncos, I submit they should go get Cam Newton. Now, of course, this requires his medicals check out and everything, but if they do, I think he gives them a, a much greater chance. I moved off of the Chargers, though, and onto the Tennessee Titans, the reason being Ryan Tannehill is highly, highly, highly unlikely to repeat what we saw him do in the second half of 2019. And this is coming from somebody, as Eddie Spaghetti can attest, said if they make the switch soon enough, Tannehill is capable of taking to the playoffs. Mariota is not. The only question is, when will Vrabel pull that trigger? He did it in enough time. They got in. I though stand by what I say. Cam Newton is better at football than Ryan Tannehill and would... Elevate their chances of going to a Super Bowl. And oh boy, Tennessee Titans fans, who knew there were so many of them, but they're quite vexed with me for having suggested that uh, number one is greater than number 17. Let's start with you, handsome Hank.
4: Dave, did the same people, were they upset with you when you said last year that Tannehill was better than Mariota? Are they are they just like dictated on whatever the current situation is? Look, I, I, I don't disagree with you. I think we the, the sample size shows that Cam Newton is definitely a superior quarterback to Ryan Tannehill. And, and the question mark is obviously that we haven't seen Cam Newton play football for 12 months or more. Um, and that Ryan Tannehill, you know, I guess going back to what I was saying earlier, it may not be... The perception of Ryan Tannehill, I think, is slightly different to the reality of Ryan Tannehill. The beginning of his career, he was underwhelming, but he has, when he has stayed healthy, and he's, you know, he's had, he's got as many injury. We're only a year removed from people having serious injury concerns around Ryan Tannehill as well. Um, but when he has been healthy, he's put he's strung together kind of stretches of of. You know, high quality football player. I think we saw that at the back end of last season when he took his team on a. You know, obviously Derek Henry was the catalyst for most of it, but he took the team on on a on a journey that not many people suspected they they'd be capable of.
2: Well, it's also you know people started shooting at me repeatedly. The number one thing that was uh, thrown my way on social media was Ryan Tannehill's passer rating once he took over <laughs> one seventeen point whatever. And it's funny because ironically or coincidentally, I guess somebody said I I saw on social media around about that same time. Joe Flacco's passer rating for the postseason when he took him to the Super Bowl, 117 point whatever. It's a it's spot on. And that's Mm -hmm. the cautionary tale. Yes. The Ravens had to sign Flacco no matter what. They no doubt knew this guy. We're kind of been boxed into a corner here, but he's our Super Bowl hero. We must bring him back. The Titans didn't go to the Super Bowl. Blake Bortles almost took the Jacks to the Super Bowl, but he didn't. The idea that you can, to some degree, hide your quarterback in the 21st century and still – end up a season hoisting the Lombardi unless everything breaks just right I mean that was the Titans chance with Ryan Tannehill as their quarterback I do not suspect that they get back to a Super Bowl with 17 at the helm I think they need to upgrade at that position I know it's harsh because he was he was very good but he's not good enough to make them a perennial contender for the next three to five years agree or disagree Matt Money Smith
1: Uh disagree uh, and and i think just you know we we play the chargers played the game after ryan Tannehill was inserted as the starter that was his first game as starter and uh in talking to you know some of the broadcast team uh dave mcginnis is on that that brought you know the former head coach is, is the analyst there and then also down on the field talking to some assistant coaches uh, and this was before he took a snap as starter right they they pointed out that it just, you know, with Mariota, it was just a tick slower than Tannehill. And and that that beat is what they felt they were missing in that offense to to get Corey Davis and AJ Brown and all these weapons they felt like they had that weren't really showing off how talented they were in the passing game. Uh, because Marietta was holding the ball a little bit too long. And sure enough, man, we saw that come to fruition in that game and every game after. And it's, it's not necessarily, you know, statistical measures uh, or just stature or resume. I think sometimes you just find someone that's the right fit. And in that particular offense where Derrick Henry's going to, you know, shove it down your throat, For 60% of the offensive snaps, it's all about that guy on play action. And in that moment, when the defense freezes, being able to get that ball out at the precise time. And Tannehill's very good at that and proved that he was very, I think his, I think his passer rating off play action was even another 10 points higher. So I, I think it's fit. And, and I think, you know, we, we go through this a lot, you know, on the, on the pod. And I, I just think you have, I, I believe you have a much higher, um regard for cam newton than a lot of other people do i i really believe that i just i think you look at the postseason resume you look at the touchdown to interception i mean he's got a losing record in the playoffs he's got i think a sub 90 passer rating in the playoffs he only had the one and even in the, the year he had that run to the super bowl i think he had more picks than he had touchdowns thrown i mean look he is unique he is unlike anyone we have seen or will ever see um But I just think you really have to have everything right for Cam to be your quarterback and to be successful. And I think that that leads to a change in the locker room, Um, because, look, he is a dynamic superstar personality. He will immediately become the alpha in the locker room and guys are going to gravitate to him and he will be your leader. And you have to be comfortable with that. Right. So I think that's. I think all of that is mixed. That's why he couldn't go to Pittsburgh, you know, because th- believe it or not, Ben Roethlisberger won Super Bowls there. He's he's one of the greatest quarterbacks of his era. Cam Newton will immediately become the dominant personality in that locker room just because yeah. that's that's what he is. So that that's the uh, other danger think- of bringing him in.
4: I, and I think that was that's a great point, Money. And I think that was why they were, probably were comfortable bringing Ryan Tannehill because he's not that guy. And that was right. a constant complaint about him in Miami is he can come in, he can be your backup guy. And then to Dave's point, when you need him in the season, he's going to probably, especially compared with Mariota, elevate the, the team. Cam Newton is, is you're, you're exactly, he's going to pull all the players towards him. And, and pretty soon that then becomes potentially a toxic environment, which is not something that a coach wants when, Ryan Tannehill, to to no extent, has done anything kind of warranting him being yanked from the starting lineup based on what he did last year. That said, if you look at the Titans roster, sorry, Dave, just one other thing. It's very clear they need a backup quarterback. If Ryan Tannehill goes down, they have uh, uh, Logan Woodside and Cole McDonald, a rookie from Hawaii, as their two backup quarterbacks. So it's, you know... You while you probably don't want necessarily someone of the stature of Cam Newton to be challenging Ryan Tannehill, if Ryan Tannehill goes, then the Titans, you know, no one's buying a play action with Cole right. McDonald. Um where
1: where you hope that look, you don't hope, but you know, if it happens early enough, then you go get Cam. You right. know, then, then then if he's still out there, you go sign him and he comes in and and then that to me, Dave, makes sense. But I think you bring him in now and it's just It's yeah, I you know all the players are going to be looking at Tan and then they're going to look at Cam and they're like, well, why why isn't this guy starting? And then it's funny and it gets ugly.
2: I hear you, and I, I, I agree also that the personalities are very different, Mariota v. Tannehill, Tannehill v. Cam, all of that, and I agree with you also about Ryan Tannehill, who who might be right at the top of the list of that third tier of quarterbacks, as I would kind of uh, construct it, of the play-action pack. He really is guys, guys QBs who are largely play-action dependent, and I know that people can debunk, the the need to be able to effectively run the ball for play action to work but i do think derrick henry for what it's worth is going to regress he had almost 400 touches history um is not kind to guys that have that level of workload the following season why derrick henry is going to buck that i don't have an optimistic spin for either way i it it occurred to me and i and and by the way ultimately you're definitely right i think at least my, that would be my guess money that at this point cam's going to wait and see oh yeah. w- who's going to get hurt because somebody's going to get hurt and then i will go play hero in that football town but i also it occurred to me lo- watching some mike Vrabel stuff looking back at some games um from last year that he kind of fits that vibe there's something very likable and, uh, about that collection that they've got down there in nashville and i could imagine mike Vrabel jibing with Cam and being able to push down the negatives that you hear about Cam in the locker room. He is a big personality and not for everybody. Somehow I I, I suspect a guy who's an outlaw head coach type like Vrabel could make that work. It's very 21st century Raiders kind of vibe. I'm I i, I, I I'm kind of uh, reaching a little bit to make some sense of it. But um,
1: I do want to add to Dave, just real quick before we move off of it, just because it's, it's interconnected. You know, and I've said this and people think it's like I've got something against Derek Carr. I don't. I, I just I believe that you are going to see a different Marcus Mariota in Las Vegas. I, I have, you know, and, and it's perhaps my Pac-12 bias coming out, just my my like for the guy and, and everything that I know about him from coaches that have been around him, players that have been around him. He is easily one of the most likable individuals playing in the NFL, as good a person uh, as there is. And I think that perhaps played against him, that when Tannehill came in, he was trying to be welcoming and, you know, I don't want to view this as a threat and be a jerk. And I think after this happened to him and the class in which he conducted himself after it happened, I think it's going to feed into him getting after that job in, in Las Vegas. And it's I would be <laughs> floored if it wasn't a 50-50 split in first-team snaps and training camp and that Mariota is just the far superior quarterback to Derek Carr from a talent standpoint, from what John Gruden wants to do, taking chances down the field. Um, the ability to run uh, the athleticism that he has I, like I, I I still believe in the second chapter of Marcus Mariota and that, that he is going to end up being a really really good quarterback.
2: Well yeah, I, I say that the Titans with Rabel could maybe kind of assume that position of the 70s Raiders Maddens Raiders but the OG is in fact the Raiders and um when, when I think about it, if you blur your eyes, Marcus Mariota plays pro football a lot like Rich Gannon did. And that and John Gruden just so happened to be the head coach yeah. back then when they were really at the dawn of the new millennium, were thriving. I I kind of could see that. Not rooting against Derek Carr on any level. It would have been fun. I mean, it'd be a fun narrative if the year after it happens to Mariota um in Tennessee, he goes right. To Vegas and does it it again. I also and also
4: to nice guys, right? It's it's funny that these are all nice (laughs) guys quarterback competition. Ryan Tannehill and Marcus Mariota tripping over each other to say, "Oh no, you take the first snap," and then probably the
2: same thing happening with Mariota and Derek Carr um, in Vegas. Him versus Jameis would have been the funniest again, not yeah. rooting against Eric Carr, yeah. but, but Mariota and uh, Jameis hooking up in Vegas in August to win the starting gig would have been, uh, would have yeah. been fun. And we would have had to put them on hard knocks for a second straight season. Um Let's jump over then, though, to the other controversy at hand that uh, that I've manufactured—the hot take controversy. But <laughs> I think I,
4: I, actually, money—I think money—manufactured this for you. Thing.
2: No, well, and, he did, and he you did.
4: doubled down on it. I listened to the yes. Around the NFL podcast, and you managed to somehow
2: double down on your bad thinking. Can I? Um, let me just say something because as soon as we wrapped with uh, with the Around the NFL fellows, I, I I said just like I, I said, I think you know that I'm not a hot taker for the sake of just throwing out pap. To, to, to see if I can get some heat for it. I, I would love to not be charged with like, ah, you're so delusional that you would take 38-year-old Roethlisberger over the reigning MVP. At least I can tell you. You can call me crazy, <laughs> but I can tell you I'm not jiving you. That I would. Again, to, to We're not calling you crazy. No, uh, we are yeah. calling
1: you a, a an unabashed Homer. That's, that's not all that is.
2: Yes it is. I would take a lot of They're guys hard, over him. I would take a lot of guys be over him. Another reason
4: for it, Dave. There can't be another reason. You I, Can I take Matt, I genuinely
2: Okay, how about Matt took, Stafford? How about, I'll take Matt Stafford over him. Is that a hotter take if you remove my no, my, my, not my my not royalties? That is, that is not it's a not, hotter take. No, because
1: he is the reigning MVP with the best record in the league last season the most exciting player in all of football who gets to play offense on a team that has one of the great from front to back defenses in the league it's funny that's, because that's we're it's talking funny about.
2: because it's the same thing as the Ryan Tannehill argument it is diff- it's more difficult to assume the position that i am taking which is yes i know what you just saw 5 <laughs> months ago it doesn't mean it's going to repeat itself a five months from now is the same. We well, didn't see anything from the guy that you're comparing him to. We didn't see. i
1: saying
4: about from that one. Actually, actually I, yes, yeah, we did. We we it's we, funny we did. We yeah. saw a
1: zero and two record and him looking yeah. terrible before exactly. he was put ah, on the show. Like, ah.
4: We haven't seen. You can't say, "Oh well, I'm going to throw out the one guy who was the MVP's last five months, but the other guy who we didn't see play for 12 months." That doesn't matter, and and he's going to be better. It's it just is, it's insane.
2: It is such a specific offense that they're running and if you assume that the, that that league-wide the defenses will figure out how to do the so-called east-west <laughs> that the titans did to them in that divisional round so, game. so
1: dave if i may if i may, and then lamar is going to have to are you just saying that lamar is a system quarterback and that when you pull him out of the system he <laughs> so cannot be that's exactly that's, i don't know I believe, but let, that's what i am let, taking let away dave from this let dave, let dave say it <laughs> <laughs> oh, this know. is fun. What I know is
2: here's the thing, buddy. You like, <laughs> wise up. Like, wise up.
1: You did this to me all last year. So <laughs> it is it is coming right at you right now. First of all,
2: I that's that that uh, thank you for reminding me of that. Yes. Uh, the fact that I seem like a lunatic ignores the fact that that spaghetti, again. What, what did I say all through July, August, September last year, look out for this Lamar Jackson offense. Mm-hmm. It's going to, it's going to storm sure. the NFL. My only concern is can the defense in Baltimore support it? it ended up being better than what I expected it to be. That's the, that, but I did think that the offense was going to be a revelation. I also thought it was going to be a one year one-off to their credit. They built that offense. You couldn't half-ass that, what they, what they did with Lamar Jackson. Now though, I'm not sure where they go if defenses rise up and that Jared Goff and the mighty Sean McVay offense had no answers to what the NFL defenses did to them a year ago. After all the songs and poems written about the, the boy genius and the Super Bowl run, the Rams were pedestrian at best a year ago. Why will those same defenses, those same defensive coordinators who've spent this entire offseason sequestered studying what Lamar Jackson and company did last year? Why will they not be able to solve something and force Lamar and company to do something different? And how do we have any idea what Lamar Jackson's ability to respond to that will be any better than we did what Jared Goff's failed, uh, failed ability to do it was this past season?
1: Did you feel that way about Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid in and the Kansas City Chiefs after so you're his rookie season? I'm saying after saying- his rookie season, people said, <laughs> "Okay, we've had a year to see it. Now you kind of know what Pat Mahomes does really well. Defenses are going to have an opportunity to adjust. You saw what the Patriots did to them in the AFC Championship game. Let's and what did he do? He's a supreme talent. He's able to overcome it and he proved that he's arguably the best talent in the league right now. And then that's I the question it. that we
2: how many times you have know. you had this conversation, Money? I grew up loving college football. Sure. Because of, see, that's why because so of the we variation.
1: This, Let me just I say. love that. We, wait, wait, wait. That's why we brought this conversation to your house. It's fine <laughs> when Dave's like,
4: I love Lamar oh, Jackson.
1: Yeah. He's fantastic. Look what they're doing out there. But now, hello
2: come on come on can I come here <laughs> did you miss week 17 with a with a potential playoff spot on the line for the Steelers and they just got whipped there the door already got kicked down in the AFC North it's not sure. that would be retroactive for me to say let's stabilize the door like there's no door anymore old man it already got wiped out it was uh it was decimated my point is Patrick Mahomes, the reason I loved college football growing up Again, from a distance, objectively, of course, my loyalties to my various teams, notwithstanding college football in my youth was superior to pro football on some level because of the variation in offense. There was wishbone down in the big eight sure. and, and pass first in, in the state Pac, of Florida Pac-10. and pack 10. And there was grinded out three yards and a cloud 10. of dust in the big 10 and so on. Sure. That capt- that was captivating to me versus the sameness of pro football and how good Uh, your skill position guys were, was the difference um, back then. Now it's inverted completely. Everything is spread in college, almost even, I mean, even Stanford at this point and and pro football is now the home to look at what the Baltimore Ravens are doing versus how the Kansas city chiefs get it done. It remains though that there are very few exceptions of that kind of very specific kind of offense where your quarterback is running first and so on of that leading to Lombardi victories. It, just, I, I, it gives me no pleasure to say that that's the case, but go through history and disprove it. I mean that Russell Wilson ran around some, but that's about as close as you, Steve Young ran around. It was, was quick to take off with the ball. I mean, that's about as close as you're going to get in the last 40 yeah, years worth of I mean, football, I, I, pro football. Well,
1: I think what happens in, in, in the NFL is um, as, as you point out, you know, there's a reason why every team for the most part runs the same offense because it's the one that works best. And, and I think what you saw Baltimore do, you know, I don't think there's look, is it different than the rest of the league? Yes, but it's different because of how ridiculously fast and talented Lamar Jackson is and that threat that he has. But I think you saw last year, like just think about Cliff Kingsbury in Arizona, right. And where he started out, where he's running 10 personnel he's got four wideouts outs for the majority of his snaps and as the season goes on and he's moving the ball between the 20s and as soon as he gets into the red zone he can't do squat because he recognizes okay well this isn't going to work and before you know it now he's running more 11 and then starts to run a little bit more 12 and i think that's what you're starting to see in the league is a lot more two tight ends on the field even a fullback because of what's happened it's kind of it's just the pendulum right oh we're gonna run oh Sean McVay and all this pre-snap motion these jet sweeps and it's all you know it's all 11 and there's three wide receiver well that what'd you see toward the end of last year when when the Rams started to play a little bit better it's a lot more two tight end sets uh it's basically all that the 49ers were doing or at least they had the fullback out there and used check and Kittle um and I think you're gonna see a lot more of that this year and I think what the Ravens did was they're like okay you want to you want to play a lot of nickel against us or even some dime line in the case of the Chargers in that playoff game, seven defensive backs. Well, guess what? Here's 13 personnel with Lamar Jackson. We are going to beat the living crap out of you. And, and I think now you'll see. And I think that's why you saw kind of the draft play out the way it did, where more inside linebackers were drafted in the first round. And they were talking about, you know, the just unleashing these weapons like Isaiah Simmons and Kenneth Murray and Patrick Queen because they got to counter that. So I think what happens with Lamar is, is to some degree kind of where I think the league is going to go. And, and I think you'll see a lot of that this year. And even, and just to make a long, you know, kind of comment longer, I think what Kyle Shanahan did in bringing or not bringing back, but at least putting the spotlight back on that wide zone, the Alex Gibbs offense of, of the Denver heyday, a lot more teams are going to start running that. I know for a fact the Chargers are. I mean, I talked to Anthony Lynn about it, and he said exactly that. He's like, I'm getting back to what won us Super Bowls when I played. And and we're going to start. We're going to do zone blocking this year. We're going to change it up. And and we're going to do what I think works. And, and I think that's a product of watching it work so well uh, in, in San Francisco. Even the Raiders were doing a lot of it last year. Um, and I think a, a lot of that is a product of what the Ravens were able to accomplish, you know, with a rookie and a, and a second-year quarterback.
2: I, I, you listen, I hear you. I mean, the copycat stuff obviously is nothing new as we predicted in November. Some teams would start talking about Taysom Hill. Like maybe he could Lamar Jackson. it. like, right. Stop with the nonsense. He is one of one in the NFL who is able to do that. And I'm not, I, I'm like, the you way that's his
1: Taysom Hill. Like, like the idea that you're just going to go out and find a Taysom that's Hill. If you've ever, oh, like yeah, when well, you get yeah. down on a field and you see Taysom Hill, it's like, Oh, that, that guy is six foot three. 230 pounds and runs a, a freaking four four five forty like there aren't a lot of guys that big that strong that can they can do what he does either so like that's what's funny to me is like oh we'll just we'll, we'll get our own pay hill oh yeah that's that's they're they're everywhere guys but like
2: uh, what it's interesting you say what works and that the specificity of offense on uh, to some degree tailoring an offense sure um to a quarterback, I, I, th- that balance of you you as an offensive coordinator must bury your ego. This is what I've learned from enough football guys over the years is if you try to jam a quarterback and your players into what you want to do, it's probably going to be diminishing returns as you go along. If mm-hmm. you can build it around what you have. And again, that's the brilliance of what the Ravens did. They realized, yeah. okay, we dipped our toes in these waters and we either go back Jump to in. Flacco Or we roll with Lamar, but if we're rolling with Lamar in 2019 and beyond, we gotta we gotta play to what he does. I though I I I remain skeptical, and I don't mean to sound like an old man because I would love for the wishbone to thrive in the. I wish there were different offenses all over. I just haven't seen a ton of evidence that you can shake up the way things work. And why? What do I think about Patrick Mahomes? I think he has an arm that defeats best intentions of anybody. If you have fast guys out there, he's going to be able to defeat you with just raw physical ability. I suspect that Lamar Jackson's gifts don't lend themselves to 300 pound guys who are almost as fast as he is chasing after him i mean he's built right. like you money he's a little taller than you i wouldn't i wouldn't he's want thick, you standing. No, he's not he's not he's a
1: little he's a little slight he's a little narrow shouldered um but i think it goes back to kind of the, the point you know that that came up with rg3 is he's got to learn how to get down how to not absorb contact and i think lamar jackson does a pretty good job of that of, of he not definitely taking does. shots yeah. square now the, the the one thing that i that i would push back on is remember this is a guy that threw what what was it 30 it was it was over 30 I think it might have been over 35 touchdown passes last year so it's not like I I know the yards weren't eye-popping but the touchdowns are there because of the threat of of him running and the the, the resources you have to commit defensively to stringing that thing out horizontally so he can't find the vertical lanes and and I think you look at the, you know, Hollywood Brown and drafting him. And, and you know, a lot of people think he's going to take that step this year because he was injured so much last year. I mean, he's got now legitimate tight end, legitimate receivers. Um, I, I think I did J.K. It, yeah, Dobbins, too, J.K. Dobbins so great. they can continue to pound the snot right. out of you. I mean, I think it is a, a pretty balanced you know, it's a pretty balanced offense for something that regularly gets tagged as, oh, it's, it's you know, like you said, it's like uh, the old T formation or they're running the wishbone out there, which it really, it, it is because that's the strength, right? That's the, when the chips are down, that's what they're going to go to. And and they, I think they've proven in their losses, specifically the playoff game and the playoff game against the Chargers, is it's an offense that is not built to come from behind and that they that's struggle it. when it becomes one dimensional and they have to pass.
2: That's, that's a bad that's that, a that bad approach. Yes, that, I that's, mean, that's the negative
1: of that offense.
2: But that's a major—that's I mean, a major negative. First of all, yeah, though, it, it, I will just say not that—not that I'm wishing for this to happen, but I keep saying that too much. So now people are going to the cynics are going to say you're saying it too much. No, I think you right. do want it to happen. But no, it is weird for a guy, especially well, now, and you do to some degree built,
1: because they're in the AFC North.
2: Well, listen, if he, if he dominates, then good for him. I'm not wishing – he's a plainly a, a, a nice kid. I'm not uh, wishing any ill on on the guy. Well, of course not. Um, no. But he does – I mean, for what it's worth, just as a reminder, I completely agree with you that the elusive thing – and talking the football guys over the year, they have no better answer than I do, except that Michael Vick and RG3 were too competitive to know when to get down, but – Kaepernick Russell Wilson those guys never got blown up and RG I mean and Lamar Jackson hasn't gotten blown up they have some weird intuition about like now's the moment to to go down but Lamar Jackson comes to a literal standstill on the football field sometimes like he does that he does the matador like oh they like stops and then goes and starts running again. I just think he's gonna get smacked at some right. point and he ain't built to to uh to to handle that kind of a thing but also as I always say I mean really I remember Money, you might be old enough to remember this. When Oklahoma and Miami would meet in the Orange Bowl or whatever and a national title was on the line, There or Notre Dame would play those great Miami teams, this like Tony Rice kind of like wishbone kind of attack option kind of offense. The limitation is, well, th- it doesn't do well when it, you have to come from behind. Well, that's bad when you play good teams. Like you're going to trail to good teams in the playoffs. You're not playing – you don't get to play – the Jacksonville Jaguars every week in the playoffs. You play good teams in the postseason, and that's what happened to them. I also say that the in Ravens at, years. at worst the Ravens would have gotten to the title game if things would have broken a little bit differently for them. But uh, and they really should have, but they didn't, and they panicked. If if they can respond, here are the two the 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 things to play devil's damashak to myself at Arrowhead early in the season, and then in that Tennessee game you got a sense like if they just stick with what you want to do and that's how you're going to come back in these games. If you try to throw it around and change who you are, that's when you're going to get sideways. If they just stick with it and they fall 10 points down early, they got to just keep grinding. Maybe that is their salvation. I'm with you though. They have the tight ends and you know, the, the, the two tight end sets. If, if those become ubiquitous, they already were in Baltimore. And that is why Lamar Jackson was able to do it. If you have to focus your efforts on slowing down the run game and he can pitch it up the seam to one of those tight ends. Mark Andrews. I mean, the whole season was that it just seemed like over and over again, it was some play action, uh, 15 yards downfield to Mark Andrews, no answer for it.
1: Um, I, I, I just, I, I would put a button on it like this go going back to the original question of Ben Roethlisberger versus Lamar. Sorry, Jackson.
2: We got, we got sideways with the whole conversation. That's okay. I,
1: I would say, uh, I would ask every defensive coordinator in the league, who would you rather prepare for? In 2020, you're playing the Steelers. Who would you rather have to get your defense ready to play? Ben Roethlisberger or Lamar Jackson? And I would say out of the 31 defensive coordinators, 25 of them are going to say, I'd rather have them prepare for Ben Roethlisberger.
2: In, in summer 2020, but the but you become a victim of your success when it's that exotic because everybody starts to mimic what you do and then it's no longer special. Yes,
1: the exact I'm just talking is, about the individual. I don't think you right.
4: can mimic what he
1: what right. he does. That's, I think no. to
4: money's point, he you can't mimic it. The, right. the one place You to, can the, you can the,
2: run that you can run that offense though. You, it'll be a diminished version of what yeah, you do. Yeah, But But if you get familiar with that look and you see it more regularly than when the Ravens are coming to town, then you're more equipped to handle it. Right. I mean, that makes sense.
1: I mean, it's it's a much smaller look. I'm not trying to draw a parallel between these two exact situations, but at first kind of that 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 sort of way of looking at something jumped out at me um, with the Chargers. And when we would be talking about, you know, with the with the opposition coaches and stuff and I'd be down on the field with D.J., and every single defensive coach would say the same thing, man, that Austin Eckler, what do you, what do you do? I can't, the, the guy, you see that, that move that he had on the outside, he's got a double move and the guy's catching these slants on the inside. And then you try to slow. Not one of them would say, man, that Melvin Gordon, I I, I don't know what we're going to do with it. Like not one. And that's when you knew like, when people be like, Oh, are they going to bring Melvin back next year? And it's like, I don't know if it's based on the defensive Coaches that we talked to before the game, they're a hell of a lot more concerned about Austin Eckler than they are Melvin Gordon. That's the one guy that they bring up more often than anybody else because of his versatility, strength, ability to shake off contact, break tackles and and do everything. And the way he catches the football And like that's that to me was just sort of this moment where it's like, oh, well, that's that's a pretty easy way to figure out uh, what you should be doing offensively is what what has the defense concerned the most going into it, like for the Chiefs. Tyree kill. What the hell are you gonna do with that guy? You know what? I don't know. That guy gets loose. It's over. You know. So okay. Well, now you got to commit two resources to him. Okay. Well, now we got to worry about Travis Kelsey. Oh, and then by the way, Pat Mahomes is going to extend the play. So it really doesn't matter because your defense is going to be twisted into a pretzel and he's going to find the open man. I mean, that's that's what we're talking about. It's
2: really interesting because it, I, I you know, to ter- try and couch it in 21st century pro football terms, Belichick's Patriots. Have screwed up everything and and maybe my perception or your perception impacted by that because what you're all getting at is to I'm a pedigree snob talent wins what's scary is what you have to worry about and then that opens things up for everybody else. That the Patriots did it with Danny Woodhead and Shane Vereen and Julian Edelman has thrown the whole thing has made it all a mystery. Like how you do, everybody else is talent dependent. The reason that the Chiefs finally got over is to your point, they had Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes, and that yeah maybe the Ravens are just so loaded. You're right that they'll be able able to overwhelm, but I. I go back to not just because it's old man and it's I've seen it with my eyes. There are no more adjustments. The game of cat and mouse between Roethlisberger and defensive coordinators is over with. Now we know what he's going to do. They know what he's going to do. He knows what he's going to do. Now stop it. I am more suspect of what is the second year of this revolutionary offense going to look like after the last time we saw it, the Tennessee Titans, which is not a world class defense completely shut it down what have they been able to pick up or not have the defensive coordinators picked up from that one 60 minute stretch that they can apply now to stopping Lamar Jackson in 2020 so anyway I I,
4: I, I think my, my response to that though would be almost the same thing I think when you asked us this time last year your go-to question last summer was what's going to be with Lamar Jackson this season and I think I said at the time in fact I remember I did say at the time I think they're the type of team that flies through the regular season and will do great and and hit the the postseason and everyone will expect them to be hot. When you get into the postseason and you're playing in January and you're playing against, obviously, the best teams in the league and, most importantly, the best defenses – I think that's where those kind of teams come up short. We were joking earlier on about Ronnie Brown and the Wildcat was the same thing. That was a an offense that caught fire during the season and was able to, you know, people hadn't seen it before and weren't quite sure how to shut it down. Although I think it got shut down quicker than this because it doesn't obviously didn't have the the same skill as uh, and, and talent involved as the Ravens do. But when it gets to the playoffs, it's hard, especially to come from behind with that offense, as you said, uh, and especially if you have to really you know if if the pass is secondary and and you're and a, really you can only pass or your passing becomes more effective at the end of games which is actually where most teams then want to be running the game to to win or running the ball to win um I, I just think that's probably what the story will be until you know unless their defense no, becomes until it's not and until yeah. their defense really becomes if their defense becomes one of the league's Five best defenses, which it isn't wasn't far off last year, and 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 certainly has the talent to be. And based on the pedigree of of that team and who they draft and getting Patrick Queen in the first round, that's where if their defense holds up, then I think you know they're going to become that first team. To your point, that does actually make you, it man. beyond
2: that, and into the Super Bowl. The defense is. I mean, you always hear about complementary offense that as much as anybody in the league, they, they have to have a good defense and because the double down of frustration to the other sideline of like, man, they're taking nine minute drives on us and their defense is three and outing us us when we get the ball back, because that, that allows then it to be 10, nothing, 14, nothing in the blink of an eye or, you know, early in the second quarter. And you feel like, man, where did, where's this game going already? And we're already down two scores. I hear you. Again, I go back to ask Jamel Holloway, Barry Switzer and all those Oklahoma Sooners or or uh, Tom Osborne and and his Nebraska teams. When you get up against, you know, Vinny Testaverde's um, you and you're playing Michael Irvin and and this high end offense, like there's just no wiggle room. You can't if you don't sustain drives against that, they're going to jump you. They're going to score on you. And then you have to play catch up. It works against Kansas Jayhawks. It doesn't work against Florida state,
1: you know, not, not, not to help you out of here in in this mess that we have created has been so wildly entertaining, Dave, but to me, like, you know, Hank touched on it. The the pushback for, for Ben over Lamar is I'm projecting Ben's going to be healthy. I'm projecting the Steelers are going to get into the playoffs and in the playoffs, Lamar Jackson has not just failed. He has failed miserably. The guy has thrown, uh, I think, I know he threw a pick and fumbled three times against the chargers. And I think he threw two interceptions last year against the Titans and might have had a fumble in that game as well. So I'm guessing it's probably somewhere in the four to five fumbles and two to four interception range where when they needed their quarterback to play at the level he played in the regular season in the playoffs, he did not. And that is the one thing with that offense. And you just said it, Those are this is not a quick strike offense, believe it or not. Even though some of those regular season games against inferior competition, they're putting 50 burgers on the board. These are long, sustained drives, a lot of mesh that create turnovers, a a lot of, you know, a lot of play. The more plays, the more opportunity for turnovers. So that would be if there is one, you know, if there's one sort of space to occupy, that would be the one. As as Hank said, until you show me you can do in the playoffs, then I'm going to assume you can't. And here's the numbers of you in the postseason against good defenses. The Chargers' defense that was really good going into that wildcard game, and the Titans' defense it was pretty darn good going into that divisional round. And they got the best of you. And and you can't say that about Ben. You know, for the most part, in the postseason, the reason why the guys got a couple Super Bowl championships.
2: I mean, the a, a bottom line, I, to really put a uh, a button on it, I I feel like the the. This is seems like a massive overstatement, and perhaps it is. But to me, the AFC, if you, if it's the Kansas City Chiefs, a heavy favorite, the number one team that everybody would point to, I imagine, that has a chance of taking them down is the Baltimore Ravens. Yes. Ergo, how easy is it to replicate what the Titans did if you don't have Jarrell Casey and, uh, and Simmons there in the middle. Cause that was everything that they were able to, that they did that for that 60 minutes. That's what that, can you do it with league average pieces or do you need to really be able to just say one thing you're not doing is, is running to, yeah. to pass these two 300 uh, pound mooses who can move. Um. Anyhow. All right. So that's that Eddie spaghetti. Is this all right? We're just about done.
3: I think it's great. I think you had to address the, uh, the elephant in the room of the Lamar Jackson <laughs> the stuff elephants. in the room <laughs> since that was uh, pretty much the Twitter buzz with you for the week and the Tannehill stuff too. So it's fine. Uh, I hope you guys uh, had an enjoyable, I know moral day is like a hot topic. You can't say happy moral day, but I hope you grilled wieners and stuff like I did. So,
2: you know what I did? I will, I will tell you, uh, we, um, uh, th- this new show on food network, Amy Schumer, Her husband is a chef, and he makes pretty easy dishes that even I can make, and he put together some baked wings, and I said, you know what? Those look easy and delicious. I'm going to try it. I did, and And they were were delicious. They were delicious. It's a it's a fun um, show. Everybody else had a good uh, Memorial Day. Handsome, you don't. uh, Well, you acknowledge that, right?
4: Yeah, that's one American holiday I can get behind. It's not celebrating, um, you know, um, embarrassing, embarrassing playoff losses by by the U.K., not the um, one in
2: five, six weeks from now, though that's not one that one
4: that no not happen. that important you know that that was similar to Lamar Jackson you know not not coming up um to the you know cruise through the regular season, but then uh, when it came to to the big the big battle, if you like um you know falling short so um, um yeah
2: not money that one. money, let's wrap it up uh yeah. real quick here, some quick thoughts first of all the uh, the big golf tournament, your takeaway.
1: Uh, Kudos to the broadcast. Uh, I think, you know, what they perhaps learned from the DJ Rory, um, I would describe it as a bit of a debacle, is uh, don't puke all over, you know, the natural sound of these guys talking amongst one another, the trash talking, the strategy. uh, That's part of what makes golf entertaining. And you don't get access to it regularly, if at all, during the, the PGA tournaments week in and week out. So that we got to hear... A little bit of everything. A little bit of the trash talking from Tiger, you know, Goose and Brady about hitting a drive. Oh, I got on a fairway. The seventh fairway. Just little stuff like that that's fun to needle your buddies if you're playing golf. You get that Phil, you know, crazy brain overanalyzing every shot. Tells you exactly why he's going to chip the ball in a tight lie. But because it's raining, it's not going to skid and stop. So I'm going to be able to hit it a little bit soft and then it goes to three inches from the hole. You get that and then. The fact that every rich guy in America is throwing money at Tom Brady because he's so bad just to get it on the green, to get a par, to get a birdie. I mean, it was it really had everything. And then there was a bit of a redemption story there for Brady. You know, he holds out uh, with a wedge. He plays much better on the back nine. I, I think just kind of the 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 very. Um, calculated approach by both Tiger and Peyton who are very similar in their approach, you know, very quick with their decision-making, you know, what, what's my speed, where's my angle, what am I hitting it to? All right, let's go execute it. Um, it was pretty funny, I think, to watch, you know, some of the, these great quarterbacks and, and these, you know, except these exceptional quarterbacks, some of the best who have ever played the game and the same with golf and Phil and Tiger partner up um, and, and how they approached, you know, what I, what, what ended up being, you know, they won one up on 18, a, a very competitive match.
2: Um, I'm with you. It was fun. It was a good diversion. I didn't see all of it, but I, and this isn't me being cynical about the product, but what it said to me more than anything, forget about the specifics of what happened there. And what it shows to me is baseball is making a terrible, um, mistake, not figuring this thing out. And if Soon you thought later, if you thought that that golf tournament was fun and I understand that, uh, star power, Makes a huge difference, but also the opportunity before my beloved puck right now is is monstrous. If they can get out there and there's no baseball going, people are going to be if it's anything close to what it is currently. If people are shut in and desperate for any sporting event, hockey has a real chance, and basketball is going to bury baseball. Baseball is already three in the hierarchy if we don't count the college sports. I don't, maybe this is a little bit of a stretch. I don't know that hockey speaks to giant swaths of America, but I think it has, I mean, baseball with its preciousness about the, like, don't flip a bat. Meh, don't, right. uh, don't <laughs> show joy and all those dumb rules, but like they can't come out and play ball when everybody else is doing it in contact sports is going to be a black eye for the sport. And I, I, I really do think, I think in 94, the Cal Ripken aspect of the big comeback Um, Not 94 after the strike that people were so transfixed by that and had been following it for so long that Cal Ripken was eventually going to break Lou Gehrig's record that people watched it. And it was such a a charming kind of uh, deed and career long achievement that everybody was like, ah, baseball, pretty nice, pretty nice. And they got back into it. And then and then beyond that, Sosa (laughs) McGuire and all that. I don't know what's going to save it this time around. There will have to be uh, an event on the other side that brings everybody back because I I think this is going to be a bad look for it. Handsome, let's talk pro football very quickly here. Your thoughts on the proposed fourth and 15 play, or I guess it's not fourth and 15, it's a 15-yard play to get the ball back to replace the onside kick um, as a way for teams to try and play catch-up late in the game.
4: I love it. I think it's a great idea, partly because I don't remember the last time I saw an onside kick. I think the last onside kick I saw successfully um, happen was was, um, Sean Payton's surprise one in the Super Bowl. But any time an onside kick is lined up as an onside kick, I I don't know, what is
2: it like 100 Seahawks. is is recovered. NFC title game, Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson, yeah. the way we perceive oh, okay. those two guys yep. is wildly different if that onside it's if, if Boswick wrangles that you ball understand. and comes to the ground.
4: You understand that it doesn't happen often. So yeah, you know, I this I, I think I think it's a nice idea. Um, to, to make the games more competitive. The question I think I have is, I believe the the way it's been set up so far is that you could only do it twice in a game. What if you're down by 21 points? What if you convert two of them? Then what happens? You just have to kick off to, to the other team normally.
1: Onside, uh, it's- yeah. Yeah.
4: Or can you do it? Can you still do an onside kick? I don't know what you know. I think what, so. Yeah, what, I think but,
1: you can try an onside okay. kick. I think those rules still apply. Um, I don't like be, this
2: gimmickry. It's 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 hocus.
4: Is an onside
1: kick a gimmick? No, it's I mean, a, might, the... it's it is It's a it's a kicker doing a a ball trick. Right it's uh, that that's that that's not basically what it is problem. I mean at least it's out it's, of it the same formation it's at least it's out of the same formation this But it's still a gimmick it's like hey, I, hey my kicker's got to be able to pound this ball to that spot on the ground get it to bounce up high enough so my guys you know what I mean like I think both of them are gimmicks the the one like I'm a fan of it I got to see it call it and I hate to bring it up because mm. But I got to see it in the Alliance of American Football a couple times, and I was like, "Oh, this is much better than the than the than the the onside kick." Uh, I think they. I don't think either of them worked, but it was fun to watch compared to lining up for an onside kick nowadays. That were like, "Yeah, whatever, this ain't gonna work." Um, I don't but,
4: know. I I really am. I guess the onside kick is just a waste of my time. Right. I don't it, think on the
2: i I guess I must actually be a curmudgeon deep down. Maybe are, that. Maybe are, that. I need to so embrace old, that. Uh, that, that. Yeah. I guess. I don't know because I don't like. I don't like that. I. But I also don't like the DH. I mean, it just uh, uh, things like that. You know what I would go for legitimately though to not be a complete old uh, jerk is what was great from the original XFL was that instead of a coin flip that. You, that I think it was like from your goal line, from the opposite uh, goal lines. And they like would race put to foot, get the ball. Yeah, they yeah. would say go, and you would race to whoever got the ball first. Right. got uh, possess- I think we should do that.
1: Now, that's, that's fun. That's, that's that's not a gimmick. I, well, that's, that's, I'm just that's saying,
2: that's,
4: that's, the that's the fine. We're bringing money your on the field. Your guy.
2: We're bringing yeah. loose change on the field to make important if you did lineman if you if the
4: other team had to nominate the guy that raced for your for the opposition so you'd say right i'm choosing your defensive tackle and then they'd say i'm choosing your guard that would be i'd watch it but i'm not just putting like tyreek hill versus whoever your fastest guy is it's sort of a foregone conclusion at some point
2: well by your by by your standard you then doesn't this heavily favor the kansas city chiefs over the baltimore ravens as a for instance who's more likely to convert a fourth and fifteen? Well, I would
1: say there's. Right, one is, this another, is this that another?
2: Being... Is this another thing at Lamar? Wait, would Ben? Who's there's... more likely, Ben Ben, ben Roethlisberger no. or Lamar Jackson? Seven did. all day, man.
1: No, a, uh, <laughs> as, when we when we kicked this around on the radio show, Petro's a a former football player. I I thought brought up the best defense against it, and he said uh, he said never in football should someone just be given the ball. He said that that's that that's that's my issue. Mm-hmm. You can't that, that team does not score a touchdown. And then, Oh, by the way, here's the football, Uh, go ahead. No matter what the stakes are against them, you have to earn that football back. The defense has to earn possession back for its offense. And the fact that that, that exchange doesn't happen, but instead it's just the awarding of a football to a team does not work for me. He's like that, that, that possession of a ball is something that should be earned and uh, and not, not handed out. Well, that's why I was like, Oh, that's, that's very, that's, that's a very good defense of, keeping the onside kick that, Hey, your kickoff team has got to earn the ball back figure it out. However, you got to kick it. If you want to boot it off some guy's head, or you want to pound it into the ground? It's it's your duty to earn the football back for your football.
2: Well, that's why I I don't even like college football's overtime, which which is maybe my ultimate curmudgeon take. Besides the fact that I don't love March Madness, um, I love the excitement. I just don't think it's the greatest way to determine your champion. Um, but that is an, a, a side note. Why can't any of these kickers figure out how to kick a line drive, like a a, a chest level line drive, ten yards that right. way? Nobody straight can get into that? as hard as you straight can into, into ahead. the opposition. point. Nobody can get yeah. that one that no one's uh, no one's ever done. Not to sound uh, like, uh, like, Hey, has anybody ever thought about washing the, uh, the PPE, you know, and then reusing it. It's the same sort of like, Wow, what an ingenious idea that no one's ever thought of. But so, kickers have had to have tried that before. But I, I I find it remarkable that nobody can kick a line drive with a football.
4: Anyhow. Well, I think that, you know, coaches are so conservative. What if they catch it and suddenly they've got the ball on on your 35-yard <laughs> yeah. line or whatever? That's that's probably not, not a good thing
2: um all right we've uh, we've uh, waxed more than enough Good i think stuff. for another day another great time thank you as always to the great matt money smith handsome hank hodgson and eddie spaghetti it's been a gay time these last few months chopping it up with you and uh you know we'll the uh, we'll it down the line right fellas exactly
1: right i all hope right. so we'll do
2: don't hold your breath We'll see now. Uh, all right. So um, we'll be back with more Huey and applesauce later on in the meantime. Thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. You go into your
0: shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower,
4: Offer ends June 30th, 2024.
0: Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP.
4: Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.